Hey, good morning, everybody. Let me invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8 as we march through verse by verse the book of Luke. And today we're going to see one of the most familiar stories in the Bible. As a matter of fact, it's repeated three different times. It's repeated in the Gospel of Mark, it's in the Gospel of, uh, of, of Matthew, and the Gospel of Luke. We're going to see it here. And we're all trying to answer the question that Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And we are being taught by Jesus who he is. And we're gonna find out there's four different responses identified by Jesus in this passage. So we're gonna jump right into it. And I just wanna start with verse one. Let's read, it says, soon after he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. So Jesus is scattering the good news all through this region. And then notice what he says. It just tacked on a little phrase there at the end of verse 1. And the 12 were with him. It doesn't tell us they were particularly doing anything. It doesn't tell us anything complimentary about them. They were just hanging out with Jesus. We don't really know much about those dudes. But then Luke tells us about some amazing women that were accompanying Jesus beginning in verse 2. He says, and also some women who were healed of evil spirits and infirmities. And he, he, he names them. How would you like to get your name listed in the Bible because you were so transformed by the gospel of Jesus? He lists Mary, not the mother of Jesus, but another Mary. Mary called Magdalene. She was called Magdalene because she was from the city of Magdala, which you can still go to today. We were there just a few months ago. Mary was from Magdala. And it, notice what it says about her. From whom seven demons had gone out. Now, I don't know about you. I am glad I wasn't introduced to Mary before Jesus cast those demons out. I'm telling you, Mary got an upgrade when she met Jesus. And it doesn't tell us anything about Mary before she met Christ. All of that was wiped away. Her, identify, her identity was completely transformed. Jesus was so gracious to her. And she responded in such faith that she was healed of that demonic oppression and her name made the Bible. Then it tells us about a second woman in verse three, Joanna, the wife of Chusa. So this is Mrs. Chusa, Johanna or Joanna. And it noticed what her job was. She was a professional woman, strong woman, she was Herod's household manager. How many of you have an, a, an undesirable boss? No, don't, we won't do that in church, okay? I don't know what kind of your boss you had. Your boss is an upgrade over Joanna's boss, okay? Herod was a crazy man, okay? And she worked in Herod's household. She had such influence. God had placed her in a strategic place of influence, impacted her life with the gospel, didn't call her out of Herod's household, but sent her back into Herod's household to shine as a light in the darkest place in that territory. So I don't know what your job is. I don't know what your school's like. Would you be like Joanna, go in there and shine bright in a dark situation? If you're filled with that light, you've got that light to share in the darkness. And then a third woman, Susanna, doesn't tell us any details about her, but then it says there were many others and notice what these women did. They provided for them, Jesus and his disciples, out of their means. Apparently these women held the checkbook in the family and these women were writing checks. They were investing, they were funding the gospel 
sending ministry of Jesus and his disciples. What was happening in verse 1 was possible because of what was happening in verse 3. Now, do you understand that Jesus didn't need their money? Does everybody understand that? Jesus can create money. Jesus can find money in mouths of fishes and, and turn the fishes and loaves into to bread and food. Understand that? But Jesus is so gracious, he invites us to participate with him in the scattering of the gospel. And so that's what these women did, and they did it joyfully. And so I don't know who holds the checkbook in your family. I, just a recommendation. I, I wonder what kind of giving increase we would see in the church if the women wrote the checks this week. Just a suggestion. I don't know. Maybe we'd see uh, the Made for More project completely funded if the women held the checkbooks just for a week. Just a little suggestion. Anyway, so we finally get to this familiar story in verse four. Are you ready for it? It's an illustration. Do you like illustrations? Do you like when the preacher like, you know, paints a word picture and uses something you're very familiar with to help you understand something you're less familiar with? Well, that's what Jesus does. That's why Jesus' powerful ministry uh, we love so much. Verse four says, when, the cr when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said to them in a parable... Verse five, a sower went out to sow his seed. Now listen, when I say the word sower, if you are thinking of a seamstress, you're not paying attention, okay? Not a sower of like a seamstress, a sower like a farmer with a seed. Are you familiar with the concept of a farmer? How many farmers in the room? Where are the farmers? Hold your hands high. Where are the proud farmers? I have one, I have two farmers in the room. They're a dying breed, right? How many of you know where the grocery store is? How many of you know where the grocery store is? Do you know the stuff that, you know the stuff that's in the grocery store? Guess where that comes from? These two guys. They, these guys are working hard all week to put that stuff in there, okay? And it doesn't come from, you know, Amazon Prime. It comes from dirt, okay? And you put a seed in the ground and you water it and you care for it and you wait and you pray real hard that it rains but not rains too much and then the sun shines and, and after months, there's food that comes out of there and then the truck arrives and then it shows up at Walmart and the grocery store and you take it home, okay? This is the concept of farming, okay? I have to introduce this to you because it's a less familiar concept concept than it was back when Jesus was sharing it. When Jesus shared this parable and he said sower and seed, everybody knew what he was talking about because everybody had to grow their own food back there. So this was one of the most familiar concepts to everybody listening. And he introduces us to these four different types of soil into which the seed is planted. Notice what it says. First of all, in verse five, a sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. Here's the second type of soil in verse six. And some fell on the rock and it grew up and it withered away because it had no moisture third type of soil, verse seven, and some fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Fourth type of soil, verse eight, and some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he raised his voice and notice what he says. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
That phrase is repeated eight different times in the New Testament. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, just a little check here this morning. Let's do a little physical here. Everybody check to see if you have ears. Everybody check. Everybody do that. Turn to your neighbor. Help them check. All right. So, okay. So, you got it? How many of you have ears? Lift your hand if you have ears. Everybody have ears? All right. Now, do you know what Jesus is saying? He is saying not everyone who has ears hears the spiritual truth that Jesus is teaching in this parable. And he is calling out to that great multitude of people, do you hear what I'm saying? And in this room right now, Jesus is saying the same thing to us. If you have ears, be careful how you hear. There is a message in this parable that is the most essential truth you could ever hear. And even people are hearing the sound waves go in their your drum and producing sound that creates thoughts in their brain. Not everybody hears what is being said. So we have to be careful how we hear. Now he's using a word picture, he's using an illustration, so we have to make the parallel, it's a parable that makes a parallel, draws something familiar to something unfamiliar. So there's three questions that we have to answer to unlock the secrets of the parable. Because when Jesus spoke this, the disciples, remember those knuckleheads, they're like, uh, I'm not quite sure what he's talking about. So that's what he says here in verse 9. When his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But to others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not hear. Uh, in hearing, they may not understand. So Jesus wants you to hear, he wants you to see, and he wants you to understand. And all you have to do to see, hear, and understand is unlock the secret of what he is saying. Okay? So in order to do that, we have to answer three questions. Here's the first question. What is the seed? Remember, the sower has seed. He's throwing the seed. Don't you wish he would tell us what the seed is? Man, we could sit around. You know, those, those people that like produce these really strange books like Bible codes and like these hidden messages in the Bible and they're like every third letter, it creates another word and stuff like that. Listen, the Bible doesn't work like that. Everything that you need to know has been revealed for us if you'll just read it. So read verse 11. Maybe we could figure out just the, what the seed is. Now the parable is this. The seed is, what's your Bible say? The word of God. So do we have to wonder what the seed is? No, it's the spoken and the written revealed word of God. You know what that tells us? Number one, God speaks. God is not so far away that he cannot be known and he cannot be heard. He's loved us so much. He's come to where we are. He has learned our language and he has spoken to us. He's told us who he is. He told, he's told us who we are and he's told us how to close the gap in between. That is what is contained in the word of God. And when Jesus spoke, he spoke the word of God as the word of God. And 
Thank God for people like Dr. Luke who wrote down what Jesus said. And throughout the pages of our Bibles, we have men who wrote down what God spoke to us so that God can be known and heard this morning as we read our Bibles. And so the message of the Bible is what we call the gospel. Everything from beginning to end, all 66 books, all 40 authors, all 1,500 years of revelation, you put it all together and you have what we call the gospel. It's a simple story that God is holy, you are not, Christ is the Savior, you must repent and believe. That's the gospel. That's the storyline of the Bible. That storyline is unfolded on every, pages of our, every page of our Bible. So when we read the Bible, we're receiving the message. It's like the seed is being sown into our lives. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with the seed. The seed is powerful. The seed contains life. And we don't need any genetically altered seed to produce life. The seed has the power, but the seed must be planted. The seed without the soil is powerless. And so the next question we need to ask is this, who is the sower in this story? Now the ultimate answer to that question is Jesus himself. We just read in verse one, he was going around proclaiming and preaching the good news of the kingdom. Jesus is the ultimate sower. He has the word of God. He is speaking and distributing it to us. As a matter of fact, do you know what Jesus is doing right now in this moment in 2019? He's not up in heaven with his legs kicked back watching the NFL, okay? He, or the NBA, whatever season this is, right? So Jesus, do you know what he's doing right now? He's doing the exact same thing he was doing on the day that he spoke this parable to the great multitudes. Jesus is still sowing the seed. He is scattering it and it's impacting lives. Right now in this room, Jesus is scattering the seed. Now, not only is Jesus a sower, but everyone who is a genuine Christian is a sower as well. What I'm doing right now is sowing seed. You said Jesus should be doing that. This is the thing. He invites us to partner with him. That's why we read the story about the 12 disciples and those those women who'd had their lives altered by this, they are now partners in the distribution of the seed. And so if you're a Christian, you're a sower as well. That's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, we read, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And so the seed comes through the sower. Now, the problem with you and me is that we are not great sowers because we mistakenly think that the power is in the sowing technique. I mean, okay, so like what's the best way to sow seed? Should it be thrown underhand? Or should it be thrown overhand or through a leg? And we get all jacked up about like the proper way to distribute the seed. Listen, y'all, the power's not in the sowing. The power's in the seed. The trick is just to get it out of the bag and get it to where the soil is. And so every one of you 
gets to be around soil that I don't necessarily get to be around. And I get this soil here this morning to throw it into you, hopefully so that you go throw it into wherever you go this week. Every one of us is a sower. Don't be concerned about how well you sow it or how far you sow it. Just get the seed out of the back for crying out loud. The power's in the seed. It's not in the sowing, okay? Jesus is a sower. You're a sower. Last question. And then we have all the secrets solved. What is the soil? Now remember, Jesus mentions these four different kinds of soil. Simply put, the soil is the human heart. We're going to read that in just a minute. And every time the seed makes impact with the human heart, it produces one of four different responses. Right now, in this moment, as the word of God is going into your ears, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, you are determining what happens as a result of the seed impacting your life. And it all depends on what you do with the seed. Your heart is one of four different types of soil and all four types are in this room right now. And on any given day, my heart can be any one of the four different soils. And yours can too. Maybe there was a season in your life when your, your soil was fertile and tender and just, man, it was a place where God's word was just rich. It was producing a great crop. But maybe a decade later, you're a different kind of soil and you're hard and you're crusty and there's not life. So the question for you is, what are you going to do with the seed that the sower is throwing into your heart this morning? Be careful how you hear. That is what he's telling us about the soil. Now, I've gone on and on here for a few minutes. Let me just take a little break here. Um, I'm going to attempt to do something here that you're not supposed to do when you preach, okay? I am going to illustrate an illustration. That's a high degree of difficulty in preaching. Few can pull it off. And I doubt that I will very well this morning here, but I'm going to give it a chance here, okay? So this story, the whole thing's an illustration, right? I just told you what it all meant and everything. But let me see if I can illustrate it. Because here's, here's, here's the reason why I need to do that. There's only two farmers in the room. You, don't, you people don't even know what seed is or what it does or anything. So I'm going to use a different analogy that, that most of you in the room are more familiar with. All right, okay. Um, all right, yeah, some of you, by the way, welcome to church. My name's Trent. I just pulled out of football and you woke up. It's like, whoa, I love the football. When's it coming back? I miss my football. Please come back. All right, so a football. You know what a football is like? A football is like a seed, okay? Now, I'm going to put a picture on the screen here. Now, it, this is, again, a very risky illustration to do in church. I could wreck the whole church by throwing this picture up here right now, okay? So I want to introduce you to these two gentlemen. Um, all right, how, how many of you know, don't say it out loud, but how many of you know who both of the men in that picture are? You know the name of both of the men. How many of you know the name of number 12? What's his name? Tom Brady! greatest quarterback in human history. I, again, I realize I just wrecked it. Some of you are never coming back to Gospel City because I just said that, okay? I mean, but the guy's got like 17 Super Bowls and he's like 65 years old. He's still playing, you know? Like, so what's the job of number 12? 
Let's just throw the ball. Okay, so you don't know what a sower is, but you do know what a thrower is, and that's a thrower. All right? Now, how many of you know the name of number 11? A few, a few of you do. Guess which one of those two men was the most valuable player in last year's Super Bowl? Not number 12. Number 11. His name is Julian Edelman. He's a little fella. Now, do you, do you, do you know that what the occupation of number 12 is, is the thrower. The occupation of number 11, Julian Edelman, is the receiver. Do you know that Tom Brady is nothing without Julian Edelman? Julian Edelman catches these lame passes that number 12 is throwing to him. Scores touchdowns. It's amazing how he's always open. We don't understand the concept, but it takes, the reason I say all that is this. It takes a ball, a thrower, and a receiver to complete a pass. In the same way, that it takes a seed, a sower, and soil to produce fruit. So, if we correctly understand that Jesus is throwing passes our way continually as he speaks, we open our Bible and we're, and we're, we're the soil, we're the receiver. In the same way that Tom Brady is nothing without, maybe not quite the same way, in the same way that there's an, there is no completed passes without a thrower and a receiver, you and I must receive. We are responsible for what we do with what we hear every time. Not just when you were in vacation Bible school and the first time you heard the gospel and you received it and, and then you graduate on to other things. Every time you hear the word of God spoken, you are responsible for what you do with it. Be careful how you hear. There's four different responses to the word of God. The first one is what we call a surface response. Jesus explains the parable, tells us the seed is the word of God. Then in verse 12, we find out about this first type of soil, the surface response. Verse 12 says, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Do you know the devil hates God's word? Do you know that he wants to do everything he can to prevent you from hearing it? And if he can't prevent you from hearing it, he wants to prevent you from believing it. So he comes along and he tries to create doubt in your mind about the authority and the authenticity of God's word. And he'll say things like, oh, no intelligent person would ever believe something so old and superstitious. How can you believe this stuff? That's what the devil says. Or he tries to dilute the word of God and says, oh, the word of God is good, but it's not the only word of God. There's so many other voices out there and, and everybody just kind of has a piece of the puzzle and you kind of put it all together. 
the devil wants to dilute the word of God or he wants to prevent you from obeying it. He wants you to disobey God's word. You don't need to obey that. I mean, that was, that was for another time and another season, another culture. And, and now that we've progressed, I mean, and now that we've evolved, we don't need all those archaic rules and, and you know, regulations about marriage and parenting and what you do with your money and all those things. And the devil wants to, to dilute it. And that is the reason why many of you are not receiving God's word. Jesus says, this is the seed that's thrown along the path and it's trampled underfoot. Some of you have been trampled by others. Some of you have been a part of churches that have clubbed you with the word of God. And so do you know what you are now? You, you are very defensive. I mean, you've got your fists balled up and you're like dodging and weaving and, and it's very hard for the word of God to penetrate because you're scared because of the way it's been used in the past or some of you have been abused and some of you have been mistreated and, and you've got scars and wounds from your past. You've been trampled underfoot and you know what it's made you? It's made you hard, hard heart so that when the gospel comes to your heart, it bounces off of you, deflects off of you. Where's Micah Scroggins? Micah Scroggins, come up here. Now, Micah Scroggins is a, a, a fine specimen of an athlete. Don't you agree? Just by looking, you can tell this, right? And so Micah, this is what I'm gonna ask Micah to do. I'm gonna ask Micah to catch the pass. Now, in this illustration, I am Tom Brady. Do you understand the story here? Okay. This is Julian Edelman, the best we could do here in church today. So, so Micah, catch this ball. Okay. There you go. Oh, um, let's try that again. Okay. Here we go. Oh, okay. We have problems here. Now, um, did you see the first time that he tried, tried to catch the ball? Did you see that? What, what was going on with his hands? He had a fist. You, you can't catch a ball if you have wadded up your fist. And some of you have wadded up your fist in the face of God. It's like, God, you haven't been fair to me. And, and it's because you've been trampled. And what you have to do is open your hand, soften your heart, bring all those hurts and the pain, just like we sang earlier to understand you're not alone. There's another in the fire. He can heal those hurts. But it may have been a very long time since the word of God has penetrated your heart because of the hardness caused by the pain and the scars in the past. So you gotta bring that. You don't wanna have a surface response to the gospel. Here's the second response. The second response is a shallow response. Notice in verse 13, Jesus continues to explain about this second kind of soil. The ones along the path are those who have heard. We already read that. Verse 13. Second kind of soil, verse 13. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they heard the word of God, receive it with joy. That's pretty good news, right? I mean, you get joy in church. They heard the word of God. They rejoiced. They liked it. Thank you so much. Great word. But these have no root. They believe for a while. And in time of testing, they fall away. So it, there appears to be this initial response. People come to church, they hear the gospel, maybe they cry, maybe they sing, maybe they put their hands in the air. Maybe you went to youth camp and there was this big emotional night and you threw a pine cone in the fire and you wrote your sins and nailed to the cross and it's your testimony. Maybe you went through the waters of baptism. And yet after a while, like you went back to school two months later, 
And there was no difference because you found out that you had to pay a price to live this stuff out in front of other people. That's the time of testing. Or maybe you went through a hard season and you got mad at God and you gave up and it's like, no, this is not for me. What do we do with those people? How do you explain those people? Don't you know this? Everybody knows somebody that at one time was plugged in here, singing the songs, praying the prayers, maybe even giving the name of the name of Jesus, but they fell away. It seemed like they believed for a while, but then they quit. How do you explain that? Some people would say, well, they obviously lost their salvation. That is not the teaching of the entirety of the Bible, and that's not what Jesus is teaching here. Jesus says there's no root, therefore there was no long-term fruit. There's a problem with the soil. And this is explained all through Scripture. Here's a couple of places that, that we understand this. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, the one that endures to the end will be saved. Not the one who has a great start, but the one that endures to the end will be saved. Secondly, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. Not if you read my word once, not if you responded to an invitation once, not if you got baptized once, but if you continue in my word. That's what he says in John chapter 8. Then in Hebrews chapter 3 we read, for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So the proof of eternal life is whether or not we endure to the end. This is what theologians call perseverance of the saints. It's a very precious doctrine for us. The Eastman Bible Dictionary defines it this way. I love the wording here. It says this, certain continuance in a state of grace. That's the proof of, of genuine salvation. Once justified and Regenerated, The believer can neither totally nor finally fall away from grace. He may fall away for a time, but he'll come back if he's genuinely a believer. But he will certainly persevere therein and attain everlasting life. This is what we believe the entirety of Scripture teaches. And so this is what Jesus is teaching here. There are people that have this initial emotional shallow response to the gospel, but when the time of testing comes, they prove it didn't go to the deepest part of their heart. And so there is a kind of faith that doesn't save. Is there evidence of fruit that gives genuine evidence that there's a genuine root that produces a fruit? And so that's the third type of, so uh, Micah, come up here. Where's Micah? Micah, we're gonna give him another chance here. All right, Micah, um, again, I am Tom Brady. I want you to catch this past Julian Edelman. You ready for this? Okay, good. All right, good. But that, you, you dropped it too soon there. And you see there's this rule that you got to kind of make a football move in the NFL. It's a very controversial thing in the football. It's like, is it a fumble? Is it a catch? Is it a genuine catch? You see, when you get hit by the linebacker going across the middle, if you don't retain possession, then it's an incomplete pass. So upon further review, incomplete. Some of you started well, it looked like you had it for a while, but then you just, just like you left it on the sideline. Incomplete pass. Takes a, a thrower and a catcher to complete a pass. Here's the third type of soil, a strangled response. Jesus speaks about that in verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. Do you, do you notice that all four soils heard the same message? They heard it. The third type here, those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares, the riches, 
and the pleasures of this life, and their fruit does not mature. So the response is strangled by three things. The cares of this world, what are those? Those are the things that you fear, that your anxiety, your stress, your pressure, and all of those things can choke out hearing the genuine word of God. But do you know, the devil is so sneaky. If he can't get you with pressure and persecution, he will get you with prosperity and give you so much money and so much fun and so much pleasure that you'll think you don't need the gospel. See how tricky he is? Do you know why some of you have a hard time prioritizing a discipleship relationship with Jesus? Do you know why so many of you treat the word of God so lightly? It's because you got too much money and you got too much time to spend your money. And so you look at your calendar and it's all full of all these wonderful things that you're doing and you've got all this money that deceives you into thinking you don't need a savior. You know what the solution to that is? Write your checks to Gospel City Church <laughs> and let's get something done for Jesus around here. There's plenty of money in this church to us for us to build exactly what we need to build to reach people with the gospel and be distributors just like Joanna and the people that held the checkbooks in verse three. We can do this together, but the reason you won't do that is because you're holding onto something that's a substitute for God and it's choking, it's strangling out the word of God. Micah, come here. What's his problem? Why can't he catch these balls? I'm throwing it well. What's the problem? He got too much stuff. He can't handle anymore. He got no capacity to receive it because you got so many other things clogging up your brain. It is strangling, it's choking out what you should be feeding on. Fourth response, a supernatural response. That's in verse 15. And as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word of God, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Notice, only one out of four who heard the word responded in a way that was genuine and life-giving. There are millions of people sitting in churches every Sunday morning who are living under the deception of a false faith. They have a counterfeit Christianity, but only those that endure, only those that produce the fruit give evidence that there is a root because the soil is soft Jesus is sowing seed. Notice what he says next. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar. This is another word picture here, but it's very simple to understand. He's talking about people that, that have genuine light, like Joanna going into the dark place of Herod's household and shining bright there. It's like nobody puts 
a jar over the, the lamp, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Jesus wants you to see it. And then verse 17, for nothing that is hidden, there is nothing hidden that uh, will not be made manifest, nor is any secret that will not be made known and come to light. Do you see the word secret there in verse 17? The last time we saw that word was back up in verse 10 when Jesus says you got to know the secrets of the kingdom. And you know what Jesus is saying? He's like everything that you're blind to now, everything that you're deaf to now, one day you're going to see it. One day you're going to hear it. It's all going to be made known. The question is will it be too late for you? If you do not receive it now, if you don't see it, if you don't open up your heart, soften your heart to receive it now, it'll be too late when you finally see it. So he says in verse 18, a warning, take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given, and to the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. They don't just receive it one time. You receive it and then you receive so much more and you continue to grow. It's a growing, responding heart to Jesus. How do you respond this morning? I want to invite you to stand. Bow your heads. Close your heart. Don't get distracted. It could be the most important moment of your life. Maybe for the first time, you're willing to open those hands, soften your heart, and receive Jesus who says you need a savior. Your sin needs a savior and forgiveness. Open your heart to him, receive it, believe it. Some of you have been trampled on, you've been scarred. Bring all of those scars to Jesus. And just like Mary Magdalene, seven demons, if he can handle seven demons, he can handle whatever's bugging you. He can fix it. Gotta, gotta soften your heart. But for others of you, you've been in church. You know this story. You could teach it better than I have. The, the, the thing is, is every time we hear the word of God, we're responsible for how we respond. Have you accumulated so much stuff? Just like this is just kind of one of the 17 things on your schedule today and you just kind of shove it in where you can. I mean, you, you think you're doing really good if you make it to church like once a month. Really? Or is it the priority of your heart, the priority of your family? Jesus, thank you for speaking. Thank you for coming to where we are and meeting people like us, people like Mary. And I pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying. Open our eyes. Give us faith to believe. We pray in Jesus' name. Why don't we sing this as our response?